0: Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here. And we need your help. Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies, on DVD and Blu-ray, we should put into the Two Guys Talking perspective review crosshairs and help us fuel the Internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access TwoGuysTalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access TwoGuysTalking.com. That's the number two. GuysTalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. TwoGuysTalking.com. GuysTalking.com.
1: Have you ever had the feeling of being watched? Hidden eyes following you, a cold chill crawling up your spine, the hairs on the back of your neck standing straight up. Do you know what that is? It's fear. It's fear. Fear is the most basic human emotion, tied into our instinct to survive. Fear gives us the means to overcome great odds cripple us with paralyzing dread, Dread. but fear can also entertain. (laughs) Turn off all the lights, lock your closet door, and ignore the sounds from beneath your bed. It's time for Two Guys Talking Horror. Life is not always a world of wine and roses. In fact, I can flat out suck sometimes. Dead-end job, cheating spouse, life-threatening medical diagnosis. No matter what problems you face, you know that there's a way to escape for a while. Entertainment. Film, television, books, all are used to retreat from the real world for a short time. But no form of escapism is more interactive than video games. With the ability to transport us into far off worlds and drop us into our darkest nightmares. Video games give us the ability to navigate our own, sometimes twisted, destiny without fear of repercussions or feelings of guilt. And horror video games give us so much more. Grab hold of your sawed off shotgun Don your blessed armor of power, and prepare to face your demons. It's time for Two Guys Talking Horror. Game over. A review of video games involving survival horror. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Nicholas J. Hearn. And I am Diesel Adams, your co-host for the evening. Yes, Diesel, I am so glad that you're here. Uh, I, I want to let everybody who's listening know, uh, Diesel and I go way back. We have a uh, friendship that has lasted uh, well over a decade. My brother from another mother, Diesel and I have faced life and death together. <laughs> uh, we we actually first met when uh, we, we were both working for the same security company, right. a Nightclub. Yes. Bonds are forged when uh, fists fly and and life is on the line. So we've stayed together through thick and thin since then. Uh, we'll, we'll stop my prattling. And uh, why don't you uh, let everybody know a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Diesel Adams. I am a professional wrestling historian, aficionado, a fellow geek, and a hardcore gamer from Atari 2600 to currently. That's, mainly, that's, that's
1: impressive right there.
2: Yeah, mainly console not really into PC, but I am very knowledgeable of it, which is also why I am here today with my brother from another mother. And I did want to take a tying mile to thank Nick and Two Guys Talking Network for breaking my broadcasting virginity, if you will. This will be my first broadcast. And Popping
1: am... your podcast cherry. Is that, is, is that what we're hey, saying? You know what? We're going to go with that one.
2: There we go. Let's go with
1: that. <laughs> I'm very happy to welcome you to the world of podcasting. Uh, I can guarantee you, you're going to have a lot of fun. Before we get to all of the great video game, 8-bit, 16-bit, 32-bit, and all the other bit goodness. That's a lot of bits. That's a lot of bits. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping. All right on, let's go for it. Here at the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, there's an excellent program called The Versus Machine. And on The Versus Machine, it's pretty much what it sounds like. You take... One thing, whether it be a book, a video game, or even a classic movie, and you compare it to its counterpart, whether it was a book that was turned into a film or a video game that was turned into a film. Comic books into movies, a little bit of everything. Well, one of the episodes that the guys over at the Versus Machine have done is Resident Evil, video game versus feature film. I'm not going to mention anything about that episode, because I want people to go over and take a listen to it. I am a huge Resident Evil fan. The video game series, not the film series. In a future episode of Two Guys Talking Horror, we will definitely delve into my love of the video game series and my loathing of the film series. But that's neither here nor there. Be sure to head over to VersusMachine.com and check out that episode and all the other great episodes that they have to offer for you. And if you enjoy the versus machine, guess what? Here at two guys talking horror, we'll be doing some versus machine style episodes where we too will take one thing and pit it against another. That's all coming up on two guys talking horror. All right, diesel. It's time to get your motor running as we delve into survival horror in video games. It's Game Over on Two Guys Talking Horror. <laughs> the Golden Age of Gaming. Now I don't know about you, Diesel. Uh, I-, I loved video games as a child. Of course. Uh, I uh, I was fortunate enough to have an Atari. I had a regular Atari, nothing fancy, nothing uh, nothing super about it. Uh, a little a little Pac Man, a little Donkey Kong. I did not play any horror games on my Atari. Hmm.
2: Well, the fun fact is that if you want to go back, one of the first ever survival horror games was not on Atari. Was actually on PC. Came out in 1982. It was Mystery House. Mystery House. Yes. Atari, actually, I would say, about a year later, created Haunted House. And what a lot of people don't know is that they also put out a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game and a Halloween game on Atari 2600, which is probably the system you own, which is pretty much the system everyone else owned.
1: I did not start playing any sort of horror video games until I got my Nintendo. My NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System.
2: I want to go further into the Nintendo NES era that more people are more commercially familiar with, like uh, Ghosts and Goblins. I'm pretty sure y- you played that as well. We've all got fond, very painful memories about that game. You know, you're a knight, you're trying to rescue a princess, and you're fighting all types of demons, ghouls, and the boss at the end of the game is Lucifer. Unfortunately, I've got a chance to get to Lucifer.
1: The game is just that brutal. Yes, Ghosts and Goblins. I don't even think I ever got out of the graveyard on that. It was, you're hit twice. <laughs> Boom. The first hit, they take away your armor. Second hit, you're dead. The furthest I got was the third level,
2: and that was i think i was really lucky that day either way that game was a very gloomy it was gloomy it was you know you felt like okay i am in the middle of monster killing oh yeah
1: i mean there are zombies popping up skeletons bats ghosts i mean there's everything coming at you yet you can't get very far it was extremely frustrating me i'm i'm one of those types of guys that (laughs) if i get too frustrated over a game you're done i'm done I'm done. I enjoy a challenge, but when it becomes too challenging, I got other things I gotta do. I've got other th- other things I could be spending my time on. So if, if a game is too challenging, I kind of walk away from it. And as a child, Ghosts and Goblins was a hell of a lot harder than let's say, oh Pac-Man or Super Mario Brothers, yeah, okay. or even e- even uh, Duck Hunt. Duck hunt, I can figure out. You point a gun, you click, shoot the gu- <laughs> you shoot the damn ducks. I get that.
2: Now, if you want to go with brutal, my actual memory of one of the more brutal games, which I believe... No, I never finished it. I, had to, I didn't finish it until I got into my adult years. And that was Friday the 13th on NES. So that was very, very brutal. You were a group of counselors, different type of counselors, and you had to hunt Jason as you progressed. You had to go around, rescue children and pretty much stop yourself from being killed. Jason's hunting you along with other monsters, and you actually also fight Jason's mother in that game if you find her. And as you progress, it's it gets so
1: much harder. Jason's so much faster, and that was brutal to me. I remember Friday the 13th. I'm not going to say I have fond memories of that game. You're at Camp Crystal Lake. You have to stop Jason. That's a game I can get behind because in the late 80s, I was all about the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, so of course I'm playing this game. And this is a game to where you can't—you you could pause it, but there—there there was no save. There was no save and continue. These were the days where I would have my Nintendo on for an entire weekend straight, but turn the TV off to—to—to yep. to, to fool my mother into thinking, "Oh, I stopped playing video games. It's okay, mom." <laughs> this was another game that infuriated me because. You couldn't figure out what to do. It's not like today where you go on the internet and get a walkthrough.
2: Or, or there's a icon saying, hey, go that way. Or right. go this way.
1: Back then, your your best bet was Nintendo Power. And guess what?
2: Not uh, everyone got it. Not
1: everybody could afford to go out and buy a magazine every month to get uh, good codes and clues.
2: And Nintendo Power took, what, three months to get whatever you needed? But...
1: Oh, yeah. And the worst thing about it is that this is not the only game that... Nintendo put out that was based off of a popular movie franchise, Nightmare on Helm Street.
2: I've never actually got a chance to
1: play that. That one. is a horrible game. <laughs> it is a horrible game. Is it, I, bad? it is extremely bad. I played. It's it bad. It, it's really bad. The game compares to how bad the second movie was, Ooh. and that's bad because the second movie is considered the worst in the entire franchise.
3: Yeah,
1: and that's saying something because. Freddy's dead the final nightmare was pretty bad but yeah yeah horrible horrible for nintendo to do this to us by giving us giving us something that we we want but not giving us what What we we want want. exactly
2: (laughs) well since we're on brutality and terrible well i can't say terrible because we all love it castlevania 1987 now
1: we're talking. We're, we're talking about a game, not only a game, but a franchise of games, especially really? at least for the NES. Oh, no, it's, that it,
2: it branched over. I, I,
1: I know it did, but I'm talking about the glory days, my fond memories of the NES games. I remember Castlevania. Now, Castlevania was was my game. It was the epitome of everything that we loved about horror at that point you had in time. All the monsters. You had the classic stuff. It was also right around the same time that the film, like, Monster Squad had come out that had all you're right. of the classic. Oh, you're right. It had the classic universal monsters. So, you're a kid, you're growing up, you love monster squad, and then you've got Castlevania where you're actually going up against those classic monsters. Of course you're going to fall in love with this game
2: if you can finish it. If you can finish it. Yes. I actually finished it as a kid and I'm telling you, it took me uh, I do believe it took me 8 hours. Really? 8 hours to go through because As you progress through, you when you got to about the last four bosses were in this order: it was Medusa, Mm -hmm. Frankenstein, and the Hunchback,
1: Death. Oh yes, the Grim Reaper,
2: and Dracula. When you got to the level of Frankenstein and the Hunchback, Mm -hmm. the way it worked with your uh, hit points, you know, you get hit by a monster, he takes down one little bar. Right. But when you got there. Regardless of what monster hit you feels a lowly one, it took off three bars automatically. So you're like, okay, your bar was about sixteen bars. Okay. So you had six by this time you had sixteen bars. No, throughout the whole game you have sixteen bars of uh, sixteen bars of health. Well, okay. You're
1: remembering this a hell of a lot better than I am.
2: Oh yes, I am. <laughs> oh trust me. Eight hours eight hours of my life trying to finish that? Yes, I do. Okay. Sixteen okay. sixteen bars of health. And now you got you get there and each monster now are taking three bars off of each hit regardless of the monster, including your bosses. Hmm. And there was no continue with Castlevania. So you get there, and then you get to the Grim Reaper stage. Each one now takes four hits. So four hits, that's it. End of the level, that's it. You're dead. And then Dracula, four hits. Eight hours of my life. I won't say gone, because when I finally did it, I took such a big, huge sigh of relief, and I went and bragged to everybody I knew I beat Castlevania,
1: and you didn't. But. Well, you definitely rub that in my face. I never beat any of the Castlevanias. Oh, Again, it, they were great games. I have fond memories of the first three that were on NES. Never was able to beat any of those because, again, I love a challenge, but when it becomes too repetitive of a challenge, I, I move on to something else. They kept going, like oh they had yeah, Super they, Castlevania, they, Tra- Dracula. X every su- every Nintendo platform ended up every um, creating a a another version.
2: Uh, Sega Genesis had Bloodlines. They had some on the Game Boy. It continues on majority wise in on the Nintendo DS lines, but the more recent ones are which is still considered the greatest one is Symphony of the Night, where you're Dracula's son, Alucard. Yeah, you play as him, and that's still considered one of the greatest ones. Then there's.
1: Well, that's not really more, more recent. That was that came out for the first PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're so right. you're talking late '90s.
2: Yeah. Well, then more recent would be. Uh, that was the
1: last one I played. I haven't played anything since that one. After that, I, I gave up. It was like, nope, sorry.
2: Well, they had a few hits and hit, hits and misses, but the two success or well, the one successful one was the reboot, Lords of Shadow, mm. which was. Telling the origin of Dracula, basically. That's who you are. In the game. Which is
1: different than the origin of Dracula that we know. But yes. Vlad Tepish, all that, all that yes. good shit. Di- ah,
2: I see. Very different. And they continue on in Lords of Shadows 2, which I never actually got a chance to finish. But yeah. I, do say, I will say Lords of Shadows is
1: very good. Well, it's nice to know that a series, a franchise that I loved as a child back in the 80s is still bringing some people enjoyment today even though it's not me
2: actually now you can save it too so you don't worry we've got you saves
1: it, you can turn it off now and, <laughs> and we've got the internet to where you can cheat and get a walkthrough <laughs> <laughs> now there's another classic game from the 80s that and i'll admit on a game i never finished because it bugged the hell out of me because of its difficulty, and it, it, it wasn't difficult because you couldn't figure out how to get past things. It was difficult because of its ridiculous controls, and I'm talking about Maniac Mansion. This is a game that was created by Lucas Arts. Yes, the Lucas Arts, King of Geeks, George Lucas himself—well, maybe not himself, but his company—they created this frustrating game. That, that uh, allowed you to be, uh, there was a whole uh, gaggle of, of, of teenagers, and they had to break into this mansion to save this, uh, this cheerleader, save the cheerleader, save the world. And, and you had to stop this, this evil scientist, this alien tentacle creature, and a whole bunch of other weird stuff. It didn't tell you how you were supposed to do any of this. And I remember playing this game and never getting off of the first floor. I just kept on getting shoved into the dungeon over and over and over again. And I'm like, (laughs) what the hell is the point?
2: To me, Maniac Mansion was the very first, as I think about it now, very first foray into survival horror gaming. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. You had teenagers from pre, from that time. From each demographic, you have your stoner surfer. You had your jock. Yeah, the nerd, the cheerleader, yeah. the rock
1: punk girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And you know, and they were in this mansion to find the, as you say, save the cheerleader, save the world, save his girlfriend from the mad scientist. Right. And they had very kooky creatures. And the thing that was scary that I remember I was scared about was there's a room and there's a key in this guy's hamster cage. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. And the thing was. In order to get the key, you had to take the hamster out. But the minute you touch the hamster, he gets mad. So you had to figure out a way to get him out of the room long enough to get the hamster, get the key, and keep going. That's how you kept progressing. That's where a lot of people got stuck.
1: Well, it sounds like this guy's got some serious issues to work out because I, I I don't know if I'd actually kill somebody for stealing my hamster. Well, he was kind of I'd of a, be very upset. Uh, he was kind of a um,
2: crazy no, well, there's that. Um, from Goonies. From Goonies? A sloth. He We're was, talking
1: about he I don't was th- that type of character. He was an idiot? Yes. Really?
3: Yeah, he was. Well, he I, was don't th- I
2: don't do
1: He wasn't so. really smart. Only thing he cared about was his hamster. He was just as smart as his father, the evil doctor. No, he the doctor was smarter. To, uh, well, yeah, he, he was smarter, but he was his father's son. Yeah. Stupid. You- <laughs> Stupid? He had plans to stop his... Uh, never mind. We'll ask the audience... Do you believe that Ed, I do believe his, his Ed, name was, was Ed. Yes. Okay. Was, was Ed stupid? In Maniac Mansion, was Ed stupid or was he an idiot savant? Let us know by heading over to our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Head on over to the right-hand side, fill out that little web form, and let us know. Was Ed dumb? Was he a sloth character from Goonies? Or uh, was he an evil genius in disguise? The Dawn of Survival Horror. I'm sure everybody listening who enjoys video games knows exactly what Resident Evil and Silent Hill are. So I'm not going, we're, we're not going to waste any time talking about Resident Evil or Silent Hill. No. Because that's an, those, those are separate episodes already right there. Be on the lookout. Two Guys Talking Horror will be doing full-on episodes about both Resident Evil and the Silent Hill franchises. So we're not going to talk about them here. We all know they were great games, and they revolutionized survival horror. We want to talk about some of the games that might have slipped through the cracks for regular gamers. Clock Tower for
2: PlayStation 1. Where you had to run from the big scissor man who was a scissor man. Yes, he literally walked around, he killed you with a huge pair of hedge clippers.
1: Very similar to Pyramid Head from Silent Hill, who walked around with a giant cleaver that yes. would, whoa, yes, that's but cr- he, creepy. It, but
2: instead of a pyramid head, he was literally just a blue man but all black. So a big. He was
1: a giant bruise yes. running around with a pair of giant scissors trying to kill you.
2: Yes. Yes, it very much so. Um, scary. S- That's scary enough as it is. System Shock Two for PC. It's more. Of it it kind of takes a tone of like Space Odyssey Two Thousand One. Mm-hmm. You're in space, and an evil AI that has taken over the ship is trying to kill you. So now-
1: Hal gets a video game.
2: Yes. Damn. Yes. That's considered one of the greats of of survival horror gaming. Even still to this day, Alone in the Dark, the series
1: which loosely uh, became a film. Oh, oh. You mean that wonderful cinematic adventure starring Christian Slater yes. and, and Tara Reid? Yes. Where we were supposed to believe that Tara Reed was a scientist.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, very much so, yes. I, if I'm correct, you know what? That film should have an Oscar. That's <laughs> scary.
1: Please tell me that the video game was better than the
2: movie. What are you going to move on now? <laughs> Fair enough. Galarian's was a game on PlayStation 1. I remember it was a sci-fi where the character you create has some psychic powers, and it's very. And the reason why I'm including this is because I remember playing it, and it was very creepy. Very, the tone was. I don't want to keep saying creepy, but
1: the tone was ominous. Thank you. Yes, I got lots of little words like that. Insidious, <laughs> nerve wracking. But
2: yeah, you are a character and you have these psychic powers and this corporation performed experiments on you and you're trying to escape and you're taking your revenge on every on everyone and
1: you uh, you do some very bad things to people. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you could really consider this horror. It was horror esque. It was monsters. I would definitely call it monsters. Anything dealing with dinosaurs in present day, that's a monster story to me. Yes. So And there was this great series of games called Dino Crisis. I vaguely remember playing bits and pieces of one. I loved playing part two. I actually finished part two. <laughs> There's a game on here I can actually say that I finished. If you got dinosaurs coming at you, all shapes and sizes, again, very survival horror because you don't know when they're popping out. They could come out of uh, around the corner. They could pop up from the ceiling, from the floor. You don't know. It keeps you on uh, a constant state of unease.
2: Now, what was the story of it? Because I actually never played a Dino Crisis. Uh,
1: time travel gone awry. Okay. People, uh, you, you know, science scientists just stop stop messing around with with things that you don't understand, or okay. or bad things will happen. That's pre- pretty much the lesson that uh, you take away from the Dino Crisis series. Yeah. <laughs> Leave
2: the dinosaurs where they belong. Leave
1: time travel to Marty McFly and Doc Brown. There
2: is a game that was on PlayStation 1. It was called Fear Effect. They only made two games. To this day, I think it's a travesty that we don't have another one because this game, both games actually, were just spot on. Just mm-hmm. the epitome of what I loved. And here's the thing about it. It was still the idea of it. You, were, you control three different people, a woman and two other guys. One was like a bounty hunter. And you were fighting demons.
1: Okay. So bought demons. Yes,
2: you were fighting demons in this like the neo futuristic world, if you will. Hmm, Okay. Okay. It wasn't necessarily in the near it wasn't necessarily futuristic, but it wasn't, you know, my in
1: the not so near future. It's yes. Kind of a kind of a thing.
2: Yeah, and you were fighting them. And even for Playstation One, they did some very brutal, ghastly and gory things in that game as in you killed in that game and it was when you killed an enemy or they killed you, it was brutal. It was bloody. They introduced nudity into this game. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Okay. And it was done in like a cell shaded cartoonish style, which was kind of artistic if you even look at it mm. by today's standards. Right. And they use profanity. I mean, they didn't they pulled out all the stops. Hell, at the end towards the end of the game, one of the guys, the bounty hunter, he gets his arm chops off. And you think, okay, that's it. No, you're still controlling him and he's still shooting. <laughs>
1: So so he gets his arm chopped off and, and he's he still on going. going.
2: Well, good for him. Whoever's out there, please, for the love of God, make another one.
1: The evolution of survival horror. The games got better as the technology grew. Yes. And after PlayStation, we ended up getting PlayStation 2 and we got the Xbox. And we got the GameCube and, and all these other great systems. Yeah,
2: what well, the PC actually started taking off a little more. PC, during PC that time. games started. I call that that era, the PlayStation 2 era, because that was the dominant console. But it was really, you know, PlayStation 2, Xbox, the debut of Xbox. Right. GameCube, PC, you know, that's when those. Well, even
1: the games that were going for PC would get converted to be able to be played on the PlayStation yes. 2. And vice versa, things like that. Yes. So there were a lot of great games that came out during that era.
2: A lot of ones that I remember. There were some I played. There were some I played. There were some I didn't play. There was Eternal Darkness that came out on GameCube. That was still today. People love the story in it. Here's the, the thing about this one is that people thought the game was broken. They played it and something happened. Like a glitch happened on the screen, and
1: they thought what's wrong this game is that's the game that had the insanity meter or something on it where where it actually it messed around with the player of the game as you went further and further into it it's it would mess with with the the audio and the visuals to where you would think that there was something wrong with your game, but it was actually the game itself trying to mess with you. Yes, it was part of. It was actually truly part of the okay. game. Yeah, there was that one. That I w- vaguely remember that. Yes.
2: Yeah, that was only on GameCube. Unfortunately, uh-huh. I wish I had a chance to play that one. There was Suffering. They made two of those on uh, PlayStation Two. Heard of the Suffering? Yeah. It was a uh, you're a prisoner. And you're running around this prison. That's cra- the thing they call it. Reason why they call it suffering because you weren't really sure if you were losing your mind or not, mm. because there was all these demons and everything, and you just weren't sure. But the other thing, the funny note about the suffering, at least the first one I remember, is that the entire game, throughout all this craziness and mess and demons and madness, you run around barefoot. <laughs> I'm just kind of going. You you wouldn't think to put on shoes or something, man, because you're stepping in all types of demon... Demon dew? Demon dew,
1: intestines, and all this, but... you know, Was it a jail that it was in, or was it a hospital? It was a jail. So you're in a jail. Why would they not give a prisoner shoes, you would think? For for sure
2: in the first one, if I'm correct, he was a death row inmate. Like, he was going to be executed, and then when all this happens, the thing, based off John Carpenter's The Thing...
1: Actually uh, wasn't that like a direct sequel yes. to the actual film?
2: Yes. and you know, you had the trust meters and everything where you mm. you were controlling different people and, you know, you could to figure out if you can trust one another.
1: See, now that's a game that I I'm, I'm sorry that I missed out on because I love John Carpenter's The Thing and if the game could capture even half of the creepiness. Actually, of the it, film. it, it, it did a good job of doing that.
2: that. It did, it really did. It's one of those ones. I might actually, have to
1: hunt that one down then. You might have to. Cuz yeah. I still have my uh my PlayStation.
2: Yeah, you yeah, it's Some I would I would definitely go after. Another one that was one released on consoles, it was only on PC, and I put this in here not because of the survival horror aspect, but of w- how well it adapts to the source material. American McGee's Alice. It's Alice in Wonderland, but it's not the Disney one. It's legitimately more so with the original book.
1: The Lewis Carroll novels, the yes. Alice in Wonderland and Alice with the Looking Glass. Yes. Okay.
2: It's very, it's it's extremely twisted. It's very much more that way. Now, later on, they released a sequel called Alice's Madness. I mentioned that one based off the fact that, you know, it's just very creepy and it's very dark. So I say it belongs in there based off of that. To keep going with some that I have actually played, there is a series called Siren. I'm gonna warn you now. It's terrible. Ridiculously terrible in every single way possible.
1: If you could see my face and mannerisms you can
2: understand the vein popping that's happening right now
1: so so are we when we say terrible is it is it a a bad game like you shouldn't play it at all or nope. are we saying it's terrible like no, oh my lord it, it messes it. You, you up
2: if you this is how bad it is first off uh, me and my brother we were looking for a new game to play and we saw siren it was on sale for $3 okay so it sounds like sounds like a bargain and we Popped it in, and we couldn't get anywhere. We were completely lost, so we went to go search for a strategy guide. At the same GameStop, the guy said, oh, yeah, we got a strategy guide for it. One strategy guide for it. How much is it? Take it. Get it out of my store. <laughs> okay. Literally. So did. so a $3 game, a free strategy guide. And I still never finished it. But here's the thing about Siren, though, that it does do some good things about. It's, it takes place in Japan. You don't need subtitles. It's actually kind of like the old Bruce Lee karate movies, the way... They speak. Okay. There are these creatures, and they're sort of zombies. They're kind of, they're just really, main, it's more so they went mad. These, this village of people that went mad. You take perspective of different people in the game, and you have objectives. Mm-hmm. And it's not put together. It's like Pulp Fiction. It's not really put together. To so put, put together prior, put, out of order. Right. Okay. Okay. And some characters have weapons, some don't. Some characters you have to just get to a certain point. Some characters you have to do some killing. But the monsters, they some of them they have they have guns too. They shoot, you know. Mm-hmm. They're, that's why I say they're not really zombies. But the thing that's good about the game, it does have a very good creepy atmosphere. Like I said, it takes place in Japan, in a village. It's always foggy in night in nighttime. The creatures make these horrific noises and sounds. But the thing that's also scary about it is each of the characters that you control. Like there's there's really no link to any of them. Well, I don't. I'm not sure. I haven't finished it, but There is something, I can't remember what they called it, but basically, in order to help navigate yourself, you could change your perspective and see from a monster's perspective from different ones. That just sounds
1: weird. Yeah,
2: because there was no map. So let's say, you know, you're standing here and you had to get to a room across the hall. Well, you hear some monsters, but you're thinking, okay, where are they? You push a button and it goes snow for a second and then you, you are literally in the eyes of a monster and... If that monster sees you, it's going to run at you. But if you even keep it at that perspective, you see the monster coming at you and you see your character trying to scramble away, shoot or something weird. All
1: right.
2: Yeah. So that game was indeed creepy and it did capture a very good horror mood, but it just sucks. (laughs) If you have great mood, but the game sucks. But if you have the will to power through that game, I tip my cap to you, sir, Not because of the fact that the game was scary, because seriously, it scared me. Okay. But the fact that it was just
1: so bad to play. (laughs) We're going to switch gears from really bad games that are hard to play to games that I absolutely loved playing. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge Bruce Campbell fan, and anything from the... Shop, yes, shop. If you're going to say it, say the whole thing. If you shop smart, shop S smart. Now that's actually a lead in for you. I, well, I don't need a lead in. You've <laughs> already started talking about it. It's the Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness. Anything Bruce Campbell did with the Evil Dead or Army of Darkness film series is absolute gold. And the great thing about it is he came back and he did video games. He voiced his own character. He voiced Ashley J. Williams with the boomstick and the chainsaw. He he did it three times. There was a, a video game on the original uh, PlayStation. I do believe it was called Hail to the King. That game not so great. Started playing that. Uh, it sucked. It, it it sucked. PlayStation Two though had two great Evil Dead games. One was called Fistful of Boomstick. The other was called Regeneration. And again, you're Ash. You get to play as Ash with the boomstick, the chainsaw. You get to upgrade all of your weaponry to to from just a shot off, sawed-off shotgun to a Gatlin gun that attaches to your hand instead of the, <laughs> the chainsaw. You can get a longer chainsaw. I mean, it was great stuff. And you got to listen to Bruce Campbell give out his great one-liners as he's killing deadites. <laughs> it was absolute joy. It's, it, those are two of the games that I still hold on to for my PS2. I will pop those in from time to time just for the hell of it because I need a Bruce Campbell fix. <laughs> okay, now, this is one game that, um or series, it's
2: actually a series, and it's been critically acclaimed. Fatal Frame. Now, it really caught on with the whole uh, Japanese creepy girl with the black hair type of vibe. But mm. This it, is where your
1: only weapon is the
2: uh, camera. Uh, camera. It's a camera that that you can see the ghost that helps you see the ghost. right? And that's your only weapon throughout the whole, throughout the whole, all the games.
1: Period. A camera.
2: Yeah, it's, it holds up. It's legit. I I I seen some of them and I say, oh wow, this is this is actually good. You got the camera up and you put it up all of a sudden. Oh crap! There's a ghost in my face and I didn't know it. It does that.
1: And so- you got to take its picture or else it's going to kill you. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, switching from supernatural ghosts and cameras to just plain out barbarism. <laughs> Well, and I want I want everybody to know that I'm not talking we're not talking about the brutality of these games because, ooh, I wish I could go out and shove a crowbar in somebody in the top of somebody's head. Right. It's, that's where a lot of these horror and and a little bit more of the survival the survival horror games get a bad rap because of their violence factor and the gore factor. And the fact that they are so adult, so rated R. And again, it's it's we're not playing these games because we, we want to go out there and be roving maniacs and, and, and killing people up and down the coastline. If it's violence for violence sake, then no, no that's, that's, uh, that is that's torture porn. But when the violence progresses the story, when there has to be violence to progress the story, yes. there's your more por- leeway because you're playing a video game. Remember, it's yeah. a video game. You shouldn't take it too seriously. Some people do. All right, Diesel, we are running a little bit long while we talk about the progression of survival horror in video games. We're going to take a short break, but we will be right back.
0: Everyone loves a sexy woman running around with guns shooting zombies. The only way people could love it more is if instead of it only being inside of a video game, Resident Evil, it was inside a feature film on the luscious, gargantuan silver screen. Don't miss the Versus Machine comparison review of Resident Evil The Video Game versus Resident Evil The Movie. Only from the Versus Machine. Don't get bit and head over to VersusMachine.com. That's VersusMachine.com.
2: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective, on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it all out now by accessing The Voice Farm, at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box from the voice box voicefarmers.com that's voicefarmers.com
3: wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever it can with perpetual advertising here's how it works Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors.
0: The Feedback Gauntlet. What podcast will offer you a hundred bucks cash to tell people what you think? There isn't another one out there. And it's time for you to tell us what you think right now. Check out twoguystalkingcom forward slash gauntlet to jump into the Two Guys Talking feedback gauntlet. We're looking for feedback about any program we have on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Follow the short instructions at 2GuysTalking.com forward slash gauntlet, and you're entered instantly for a hundred bucks cash. What's this? Cash? For telling people what you think? Yes cash for telling people what you think two guys com forward slash gauntlet.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys Talking Horror. This time, we are going on a journey. A journey into the past, the present, and the future of survival horror video games. Game over. (laughs) Survival horror of today. In... Recent memory, we've gone through PlayStation three and a four, an Xbox three sixty, an Xbox one. I I can't even keep up with all the different consoles. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit. I don't play games as much as I used to. Sadly. I, I I've I unfortunately have other things that detract me from being able to sit down and really enjoy get get in the meat of a game, sit there for a good five, six hours and do nothing but conquer this level and conquer that level. But I will say that sometimes I throw everything else away and I will immerse myself in a game. And I will immerse myself until I get it done, damn it. And a lot of those are the, the more current games of the next generation of systems. Well, one of the game series
2: that is out now, and I'm putting this in this category because it does scare me personally, is the Demon Soul/Dark Soul slash Dark Souls series. Okay, so why does it scare you? Because the brutality of it, well, not necessarily brutality, the brutal difficulty. And it does have a very ominous presence. You're dead. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. You're dead in the game, you know. You're in a purgatory-type state. There is no shiny light at the end of the tunnel. There is no real happy ending to these games. Mm. But the games scare me because of the brutality of it. The game just literally throws you down and says, this is how you swing. This is how you block. This is how you move. That's it. Kind of like harken to NES, the old school, right there was no there was no strategy guide, and there was no no icon to say, hey, go this way, go that way, no, it's this is how you do this stuff, go, but what about nope, just go, and you have to figure your own way. Now that's not scary. The scary part was I was afraid to move on because the way it works is you're in an area. the only way, and you can't pause the game whatsoever. So if something's in the area and you want to pause it to do something, you can't do it. You have to go to a bonfire. So you
1: can't, you can't even pause the game. No. So if you have to pee or if somebody knocks at the door, you can't pause the game until you find a bonfire. Yes. Wow. That's or, or
2: you clear out that entire area of monsters. And if the areas clear out, then, you know, you can sit for a minute, but the only time you can level up, pause, take a rest is at a bonfire. Now, here's the problem with the bonfire. Regardless of what you did, unless it's a boss, the minute you go to the bonfire, you can save, you can do all that. All those monsters come right back. You kind of feel like, okay, this is my safe place. You know, I'm going to stay here and I want to fight. But I got scared to actually progress further because, and it wasn't as in, regardless of how you leveled up, or how many, how often you did. And the leveling up system is very brutal as well. It's, you get so many souls, you level up, and you can level up one point. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a great series. It's a great game. You know, It's a great series of games. I'm, I won't say it's not. It very, it very much is. It's just the, the brutal difficulty did scare me. And then, you know, when I fought my first boss, the bosses are not small. They are huge. And you see this huge boss in front of you, and you're just kind of, oh, boy, all I got is half of a sword okay and you have to kill it regardless and there is no special power up or nothing at least not in the beginning you know further on i'm not sure but you're you you go hmm i have half of a sword
1: and a wooden shield and i have to kill a big huge dragon oh boy screw that i i I don't want to play a game where i have half a sword and a crappy shield and i have to fight a dragon Uh, i will though play a game where my main weapon is a flashlight and i am talking <laughs> about I, I am talking about the brilliance that was the game alan wake God, i didn't know you were going there <laughs> alan wake uh, oh, first of all you're a writer so already the, your, your main character is a writer all right i've I'm, I'm already digging him he he's got writer's block oh well i've been there i know i know how that is
2: it has kind of like a to me it had kind of like a twin peak stephen king it,
1: it was it was very twin Peaks stephen king-esque you're thrust into this mystery. You're trying to find the pages of your novel that you evidently wrote and you don't remember writing to try to shed some light on the mystery. And I say shed some light because when you're attacked by enemies, they're all cloaked in shadow and you're required to shine your flashlight on them to get the shadow off of your attacker or else you can't kill them at all. I found that the metaphor of shedding light on your problem, shedding light on your attacker to be able to defeat it it was extremely well thought out Uh, you don't get a lot of deep meaningful stuff from video games at least not the video games i play i I could be completely wrong there there could be some very inspirational video games out there i don't know what they are (laughs) all i know is i really enjoyed playing alan wake because it, it was something different. It was pure survival horror only given to you in a different way. It wasn't uh, if I've got a shotgun, I'm going to be perfectly fine as long as I keep on having ammo. No, you you need batteries for your flashlight. That's the most important thing. You need a better flashlight. The, you know, you upgrade your flashlight, right. Your recharge time goes up. Now, you have of course, big,
2: get the big, huge cop one.
1: <laughs> yes, you get the giant mag light. You got that mag light towards the end of the game. You were feeling superior, like "ah, yeah, die, die, ha ha ha." Yes, I will. I will stand by the game, Alan Wake. Alan Wake was definitely a must-play if you are into survival horror.
2: Actually, and here's another good part about that game: it wasn't just people that were your enemies;
1: the environment was. Oh, the environment. I mean, you you'd have pieces of the ground a building i mean anything A truck a truck and it was covered in shadow you couldn't take care of it until you got the shadow gone wasn't there a bulldozer too yes there was a whole there was a whole level
3: pretty much everything construction site
2: everything was your enemy anything
1: and everything could be and was your enemy in that game
2: next one i want to talk about is fear Okay.
1: It's a first-person
2: shooter. I'm not going to lie. It, that's what it is. It's a first-person shooter.
1: That's probably why I don't know it. I don't do much with the yeah. first-person shooter genre.
2: What it is is it, it. they decided to take, with the success of The Ring and The Grudge, the creepy little Japanese girl with the long, dark hair. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, her name was, I want to say, Alma. She was a girl that was experimented on and given these powers, and they treated her bad in this facility, and she went nuts and went on the killing spree. As you play the games, it's not just, okay, you're shooting soldiers. No, you're shooting soldiers' manifestations. And out of nowhere, she will manifest and put things on fire and throw you off. And you never know when she's going to do that. That's the thing. And as I want to say, it was two. She was looking for a suitor, someone to get her pregnant so she can give birth to an apocalypse. Because her powers grew
1: astronomically she was trying to bring hell on earth. Oh, you got to love the Japanese and they're 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 bigger than life. Let's let's get real crazy here. Yeah,
2: that's pretty much what it was. And and the second one, she wants you you find out later on that she wants you to father her child and go about it. And unfortunately, you end up doing it inadvertently. Well, there was part three. I'm, I did play part three, and I finished it. That one didn't. It's it was still Alma, and was still there. The manifestations and the creepiness and the atmosphere was still there. Yeah. It was still more action orientated. Ah, they they yeah. kind of trailed off. They tra- they started out with a really good concept, and it was great. Take a s- first person shooter, but make it scary. They started out with a great concept, and they just kind of trailed off.
1: That's how I view most of the horror games. Especially nowadays, they're, they're, they will gear more towards the action aspect instead of the survival horror. Because, I, And evidently, that's what people like, that's what people want. I mean, not me. That's why I don't play a lot of, of the survival horror or survival action horror games that are out right now. I'll stick to a handful of things. Now, I, I do have to confess, I am a sucker for a good zombie game. Who is it? I, and It's one of the reasons why I love the Resident Evil franchise. And... To a certain extent, a little bit of the 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 Silent Hill as well. But again, we're not talking about those those franchises. Those you know, that, that, uh that's for a later time. We are going to talk about Dead Rising. Ooh. Now I remember when the first game came out that it, it was a big deal. Because they 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 told you this game, you're gonna be trapped in a mall. I'm like, oh, so we're already we're already stealing from George Romero and Dawn of the Dead. We're gonna trap be trapped in a mall. Okay, cool. I'm down. The zombies. There's going to be a generator in this game to where there will always be zombies on the screen. To where you could kill as many zombies as you want. They're not going to stop coming. It's not like you can clear an area and walk back to that area and it's still going to be clear. There will be zombies on the screen unless you're in the safe area. There will be zombies on the screen all the time, and I'm like, "Well, what? Excuse me? You have my attention. You you have my attention, but you're also kind of making me want to pee my pants <laughs> because I've always I've always looked at it as okay. Well, if I can clear this area, I'm going to be okay. Nothing's going to jump out and get me. No, 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 no. You're always going to have zombies clawing and scratching and biting at you, and it's a little unnerving. I could not get past. Ah, uh, I could only play the very first game for maybe. 20, 30 minutes. Could not finish the game.
2: I did. And the way it works is you have a time limit. Okay. Help's going to be coming. And they had different endings to it. Mm. And the way it worked was in order for you to get the best ending or a certain ending, you had to be and do certain things at a certain time. You had to be mm. a certain place to rescue this person at this certain time. And if you didn't, you know, it, in, regardless, the,
1: the game was on the clock, basically. Right, right. And you had to do that another thing i don't like i don't like being on a clock there should not be a clock where the apocalypse is concerned okay technically it wasn't apocalypse apocalypse has not happened yet oh now, well yes it's okay, but the thing
2: one. but the thing about it is you had to uh, rescue survivors and that I, was all, i that also remember that yeah yeah that was, that also contributed to
1: your ending the amount of survivors you rescued well it was the the same thing same pre- premise for the second one the second one i played more of the second one was a little bit grander a little bit more uh again action oriented uh, also difficult as hell because of the rescuing survivors these survivors didn't know what the hell they were doing and that's why you never finished this first one because the second one they helped you more barely
2: That's true. i don't like incompetent side characters now, the other thing that also made it good to me was the fact that it wasn't just zombies you fought. You had to fight people who were just who just went crazy.
1: Well, yeah, and you also had
2: that aspect. Yes. Yeah, just that, like, just
1: like a good old zombie apocalypse.
2: Yeah, you know, you had that aspect in, in both and actually all three games too. And you know, you crafted your weapons. pretty much almost anything was a weapon but it had a shelf life it wasn't like okay i'm going to carry around this katana blade forever and just slice through everything no you could eventually sli- it'll break down yeah and that was also part of the scare factor was the fact that yes you have your weapon it's a good weapon but it's going to break
1: right so right. i wouldn't over always it. looking for another weapon yeah. always on the lookout for always have a backup on you sure. and yeah. you
2: can only carry so much And also, what you you were carrying, you had to carry food, you know, to get your energy back. Energy. uh, You know, so you were keeping other people alive. You were keeping yourself alive. And you were trying to progress the story. Also, call it guilty pleasure, your screen was always full of zombies. So guess what? I'm going to have fun. Oh, yeah. And kill lots of zombies. And that was actually another good thing, uh, kind of a breakthrough in gaming, was the fact that they... Were able to generate so many zombies on the screen at once, which has never really been done.
1: Right, right. Well, they just keep coming and coming and coming.
2: Yes, yes. and that's also what was it's great. It's
1: unnerving. About it. it is very unnerving. Now, I will say this: I enjoyed this next game I want to talk about a lot more than I enjoyed playing the Dead Rising games. Telltale. They are this this great company that will actually put a video game out in chapters. And one of the video games that they put out was uh, The Walking Dead. There's two games, two season one and season two. But unlike most things that you would think would be attached to the TV show, no, no, no. These games are attached to the comic book world. And I am a, I am a huge follower of The Walking Dead comic book series. I, I enjoy the TV series as well. But I've been reading Walking Dead since issue 10... So I, I've, I've stuck around for, for quite a bit. So to have a game that takes place in the world of the comic book was extremely appealing to me. And the first season the first season, you, you actually get to meet a handful of characters that are prominent in the ongoing comic book. But you're meeting them before they made their appearance in the comic book. So that was a nice little nod to all the fans. If you're a fan of the comic book and you play this game, you're going to enjoy it because we're going to give you something that you want to see. But the second game, the second game, you're playing a little girl, a little girl who has to fend for herself. And that, more than anything else I've played, that is unnerving because you're not a big, strong, strapping adult that you would think could take care of themselves in a situation if they have to. You are a child who really can only survive with their wits. And it makes the survival even more intense because you're making these decisions with her. And you, it was, it was one, of the, one of the few games where I was emotionally invested in a character. That's how engaging the story was for both games emotionally invested in the characters that I'm playing and playing with and invested in the story.
2: The thing about the walking dead series that is so great about it is your choices matter Mm. and the choices were not easy. You had some really hard choices. Like you felt like, Ooh, what should I do? And then some of them, you had to do it on the fly, just like that.
1: Right, yeah. You have. You, there's no waiting. You have to make a decision now or you're going to die.
2: Yeah, and those choices carry over. It's so much that season one, if you play season one, let's say you played on PlayStation 3, and then you play season two on Xbox 360,
1: you're really losing out. You need to do it on Because you can't transfer your decisions over. Yeah, yeah you got to play it for, on one console.
2: Yeah, your decisions transfer for over from what happened at the end of the season one to the, what happens in beginning of season two and further on. Right. All of this stuff actually matters. And honestly, the it, it captures the Walking Dead spirit of the comic where it's the dread of how life is just at its end the entire time. That's how I felt when I was playing both of them. I was at the end. And specifically in the second one, the little girl, Clementine, that's her name, she goes through some very rough things. I mean, things that you, a little girl should not even have to deal with, but she does. Choices she has to make, she makes them, and that's another scary thing. You thrust this child into this world, and they have to make some of these decisions. And you're thinking, God, I couldn't do that. Or, I couldn't. I, I couldn't imagine th- putting a child in this position. But you have to make these
1: decisions. It captures that very well and i think it goes back to the the what you were saying about the essence the spirit of the walking dead series the spirit of that series is is that it's not about the zombies no it's about survival and sure it just so happens that there are zombies out there and you have to survive them but really you also have to survive uh, other people because it seems like when the world goes to hell most people turn into the most evil and dark parts of uh, of their souls When the chains are are released, when you have nobody telling you that you can't really do that, some people will buckle down and just go full-on savage. Yeah. Other people, it's all about your humanity. And that's something I can't stress enough about The Walking Dead, the video game, Walking Dead, the comic book, and Walking Dead, the television series. It is about humanity, your humanity, humanity in general, and will the humanity survive? (laughs)
2: the evil within this is one of my personal favorites ladies and gentlemen it really is as we've stated before that the genre has taken a more action oriented approach to survival horror games and not so much the atmosphere the evil within is actually created by the japanese man who created the original resident evil he said i want to bring back scary creepy Downright, I want you to be frightened. And Evil Within is very good and very well done, well done. I mean, you're shooting and everything and all that, and you have weapons, but it's the ammo is scarce, and you have to survive in this game. And it also tells a really good story. As uh the well, way
1: the way that I look at the Evil Within, it's basically Inception if Clive Barker directed it. Exactly. That's 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 what it was. That's what it turned out to be. But it was actually really
2: good, and I've played it and finished it, and it was fantastic. And you know,
1: and that's very interesting to me, because you're, you're one of the few people that actually said that it was very good. There are a lot of people that I've heard that didn't care for the game at all. Because the story never finished explaining itself
2: in the game. The, what you had to do was you finished it, and you go to the extras. there's these little statues, and you read the comments about the statues that fills in every single blank and gives you your story right there. That's what they're missing. They, a lot of people were just kind of going, well, we want you to explain everything. Well, it's all there. You have to look for it. That's also part of the wonder and mystery of it instead of just play it. Okay. I'm done. That's it. No, ah. that's it. You-
1: I started playing it and it's one of those games where it, I don't play video games enough. It's too complicated. I can't make all five of my fingers on each of my hand do something at once. I'm sorry. I watched the rest of the game on YouTube. There were there's some really great uh, people out there. Was too hard. Was that it? It didn't. Wasn't scary. It wasn't scary. You didn't. The game wasn't scary. You didn't do the shit. I watched it. There was a couple of there was a couple of cool parts in there. But again, like I said, it was Inception done by Clive Barker. And guess what? I didn't care for Inception. Okay. Here's another question though. Did it capture survival horror? Would you say that? yeah i'll i you know what I'll give it that it did take us it it took me back to the old Resident Evil games it was survival horror i I would have much rather it been a Resident Evil game instead of well, well we, we're 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 done with Resident Evil we keep on doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again you forget over again and over again let's do something a little bit kookier uh okay I, again it had some good parts I don't know it could have been better I've already established in this podcast already that if something is too difficult for me, I'm not going to waste time to keep trying over and over and over and over again. I've, I'm a busy man. I got things to do.
2: <laughs> uh, it's, it's as
1: simple as that. <laughs> and we're moving on. All right. A game that I did finish, at least the first one. That There's three of them. Dead Space. Dead Space. This, in my opinion, this is the game that brought back survival horror. Forget Evil Within, it's the first Dead Space. Now, I know Dead Space 2, Dead Space 3, it, it, more towards the action, but the first one. <sighs> Dead Space, number one. This, it, this was, it was as if I was on the Nostromo in Alien. <laughs> it was like I was, I was Ripley, only I wasn't Ripley, and there was more than just one frickin' Alien. Dead Space frightened me. I don't know if I could say that a video game, and I've played a handful of really frightening video games, I don't know if I could actually say that anything frightened me more than Dead Space. And I blame you, sir. (laughs) What did I do? You, I blame you because you were the one who first made me play the game. I'd get off work, I'd go over to his house and wait for my wife to get off of work, she'd pick me up. So I'd have like a two-hour... 2 Hour window of just nothing to do, so we sit there, we talk. But most of the time, he's playing a video game, and he, he Dead Space comes out and he's playing that. Oh, 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 you got to play this game. I'm like, Oh, really? Really? Is it good? And he's like, oh, 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 it'll have your attention. So he puts a controller in front of me, and we start. I start playing, and it's it's easy. You're kind of explaining how things are going. You're on this ship, you're, you're going to this derelict ship. You're this guy, you're not a Marine, you're not a soldier, you're not some badass fighter, you're a tech. You're an engineer, you're technically there to help fix this derelict spaceship. And you're also trying to look for your, your missing wife. Okay, so you have no special skills except for to cobble things together. Your weapons are your tools to fix things. Okay, Great! I'm going to kill this alien with a screwdriver. So we start playing this and then he turns the lights off. I'm like, "What what's going on, man? Why do I have to why do I,
3: Why do I have to
1: play this game in the dark?" Oh, trust me. Trust me. It it adds it adds to the mystique. So I'm playing this game. It's dark. I'm like, hmm, well, there are lots of strange things happened on this. Oh, my God! <laughs> the first alien creature pops up, grabs one of your fellow crewmen, and drags them away. And then it, it literally, it, it, you have to, you got to move. You got to move. You got to go. It's going to get you. You got to go. I almost peed myself. <laughs> I almost peed myself. And the thing was is that for the next three weeks, I would continue to come over to Diesel's house and play more! I was a glutton for punishment, and there were half the times it was late at night. He'd leave me. He'd turn the lights off and he'd go to bed while I'm sitting there having to play this game. I have never had to pause a game and take a walk around a couch more than playing Dead Space. So thank you, Diesel. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that's the interesting thing about and I, and for me and it sounds like for you as well video games stretching back either a few weeks to you know a few years as as children not just the survival horror but any video game any video game that that grabbed us that took a hold of us and shook us saying play me play me don't stop until till we're done the, the the sleepless nights the empty cans cover of mountain dew covering the full the the bag of chips everywhere going up pizza rolls going going up to being adults and oh my god i have to be at work in three hours i'm not done with this level yet i think i'm gonna call in sick it's it's an obsession it's an addiction it's one of those few obsessions and addictions that really doesn't hurt anybody it's not like we're heroin junkies or we're alcoholics. It's we enjoy a, a, a good story, and it's us. We're controlling it. We're controlling this story. And it just, it's, it really actually makes me want to go home and play a video game right now. Yeah, and, and now that you say something
2: about that, the scary horror factor about that is that it is an addiction,
1: and it can grab anybody. It, it goes into that whole thing of people I- enjoying a good scare because it, it, it releases a little bit of that adrenaline. It it can be addictive. I, it's one of the reasons why I enjoyed scary movies and anything scary growing up is because I enjoyed that little thrill that you'd get. Now, as an adult, it's kind of harder to find that because I, I, I've... You're desensitized. Uh, yeah, I, a little bit. Sadly, I am a little bit desensitized. So when something does come along that can actually disturb me. You want to grab it. I, I do. I mean, I like like we were saying about that dead space game, I paused a lot, but but damn it, I always unpaused and kept, kept going. going because, because it, it was it did the,
2: it did what you wanted. It gave you what you wanted. It did its job. Yes. And very well, scared you. The thing about it, the only, the good thing about some of these is that it scares you. Mm-hmm. Okay? But it gives you courage fight or flight. Yes, it goes into
1: that in, instinctive view. You, you, you kind of find out who you are. Face your fears in a protective environment because really nobody's going to get hurt here. Yeah. It, it might say game over, but you're going to turn the console off, go outside, breathe some fresh air, and come back to it later. Yeah,
2: and when, while you're gone, know what you're going to do? What can I do different? What can I do different? Right. What can I do different?
1: Well, that's where we ask you, what did we miss? Out of all these great video games, well, the good and the bad and the ugly, all the games that we've we've mentioned, I'm sure, I know for a fact, we probably missed something. Oh, we definitely missed a few. That I'm sure we have. So that's where we ask you, what did we miss? What did we leave out? What did we touch on that you'd like us to actually talk more about? Let us know by going over to our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Fill out the little web form on the right-hand side and let us know. Who knows, maybe uh, we'll take your suggestions and your comments and we'll uh, craft an entire episode around that later on. But sadly, like every good game, they all come to an end. And I'm not going to say that this is game over, but this is definitely a game to be continued. I want to thank everybody for listening to Two Guys Talking Horror. I'm one of your hosts, Nicholas J. Hearn. And I am Diesel Adams, your other host. And I want to remind everybody, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in the dark. Game over. Congratulations. You've survived this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. We hope you were entertained and informed by our program. Take what you have learned and pass it on to your family and friends. It may just save their lives someday. Have questions? comments? Suggestions for a future episode? Visit our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side, and fill out our short web form. It's the easiest way to interact with the hosts. Beware of monsters, creatures, and all things that go pump in the night, and keep telling yourself... It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast.
0: It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast.